Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, breaking down a tale of two comebacks over the weekend for the Knicks. One, a close, dramatic 21-point comeback against the Miami Heat on Friday night in the in-season tournament. The second, a tough 116-113 to loss to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday evening behind a Devin Booker last-minute dagger. I'm getting into it all next on Locked On Knicks, including how the two were kind of similar and why the Knicks have some things they could afford to clean up based off these two games right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash/LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out in your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode because we are here for you guys every single day of the week. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And this is Locked on Nick's getting into a tough, uh, well, tough and also thrilling weekend for the Knicks. Uh, first, an amazing Comeback victory, 100 to 98 versus the Heat on Friday night in the in-season tournament on the world's grossest court, and then a heartbreaking loss on Sunday afternoon against the Suns, 116 to 113. But these two games were pretty similar in the way that they went uh, overall. That was the number one thing that kind of struck me with these two games. Uh, you know, watching the game on Friday and then taking in the one on Sunday, it was like. Yeah, both these, the Knicks went down by a pretty good amount. They started off one of the halves pretty terrible. I mean, let's just get into it. So the Knicks go down by as many as 21 in the third quarter to the Heat. They went down by as many as 15 to the Suns in the second quarter. And then I guess the big difference here is that against the Suns, the Knicks just looked really flat early in the game, especially in the first quarter. And against the Heat, they were in the game in the first half, and it was pretty pretty close, you know, pretty standard fare for the Knicks and Heat. And then just look completely dead in the third quarter and then completely alive in the fourth quarter in, in one of the more dramatic comebacks that you'll ever see uh, for this Knicks team. In both cases, though, they came up with big buckets by Jalen Brunson in the fourth and had the opposition's best player take a contested three from the right side. Uh, Jimmy Butler missed his and the Heat went home uh, two and one in the in-season tournament, same as the Knicks. And also behind them in the seat in the standings, which I'll get to in a minute about, I guess, the implications of that. Uh, but then Devin Booker just takes an impossibly difficult shot at the end of that Suns game, uh, practically falling out of bounds uh, with both RJ and Randall lunging towards him and just just took it, made it. It was a tie game. Then it was no longer a tie game. And then the Knicks end, ended up losing that game. But. I think my number one takeaway, if I want to just generalize here in this first segment before we get into the individual games, which segment two, I'll get into the Miami game, a little more specifics about 
uh, the various you know players and and how well they played and everything. And then last segment, we'll talk about the Suns game. And I mean, I think there were some certainly some great performances in that game too. They were right there with the Suns, although I, I think that they should have maybe dispatched of them a little easier. But that takes me on my takeaway from these these games that the Knicks just need to work on having a consistent effort from start to finish more often because you know as we've seen in the past with this team if you live your life constantly trying to come back from deficits games get really exhausting and the season gets really exhausting we've seen that from past teams you know when the the 21 to 22 team was kind of hanging on for dear life uh before things really went off the rails that was kind of how they were living where every single game it would be like you would come out and you know, have a, a subpar effort and, you know, just start the game off really poorly. Then the bench would come in and rescue the starters and play really well. And then you would just kind of be scratching and clawing all the way to the end. And, you know, usually it would result in kind of a fake comeback, which has been, you know, a, a time honored tradition for the Knicks, the fake comeback of, you know, getting within four or five points and then just not being able to seal the deal. Now this team is good enough to seal the deal more often than not, but, you know, you'd still like to see them, come out with a little more fire uh, to start halves. You know, it's it's starting to become a little more of a trend than you want where they come out and they're not necessarily, you know, kicking butt in the first quarter and just kind of, or I, even if it's not the first quarter, but just the beginning of either half, you know, a lot of times it's the third quarter lately too, which isn't great because that used to be a little bit better of a, a spot for the Knicks, the, you know, the third quarter adjustment. And now it seems to not be as much. So um, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, the Knicks coming out with a better game plan from the start, you know, having something that they're looking to exploit in the other team because the other teams are clearly coming out with something that they want to exploit in the Knicks with the with the heat, especially it was get out and transition against these guys. Like just, you know, try to try to force misses, try to force them into spots they don't want to be in and then get out and transition and blitz them because they don't defend transition super well. Uh, and, you know, so that was they clearly had the notes and the Knicks kind of need to do a better job, I think, of taking notes on their opponents, uh, especially when you're facing a team like this Suns team today, where it was like Devin Booker, Yusuf Nurkic, and a bunch of dudes. Like Kevin Durant was out. Um, Grayson Allen was out, who's been a big contributor for them. Obviously, Bradley Beal is still out. You know, they were they were dealing with some pretty significant injuries to their rotation, and yet the Knicks still, you know, struggled. They got out offensive rebounded against the Suns, which is kind of unacceptable. Like, that's kind of the Knicks' bread and butter uh, and you know, it just wasn't there wasn't that consistent effort up and down. Uh, but also I'll say the the plus minus for these two games is starting to heavily favor the bench units again. So maybe there's something to be said for changing how the subs are staggered just a bit to see if you can get certain guys like <laughs> Emmanuel quickly in earlier because clearly the bench unit is really making some things happen right now. And I, I think the starts of halves are starting to be a problem area in that regard where you know, you have the starters out there and you're kind of just waiting for that bench unit to get in to provide that spark. And I think maybe getting that spark in there a little earlier could be uh, beneficial. Maybe even just having a contingency plan. You know, there are going to be some days where Brunson or Randall or RJ or whomever is is cooking in the first unit early and, the you know, they're firing on all cylinders. But I think there kind of has to be more of a plan to, uh, you know, kind of undercut that a little bit and get guys like Emmanuel quickly in there a little earlier if need be in a given half. Uh, also, I'll get to it in a minute, a little more when I talk about the uh, the Suns game and the Heat game, but uh, individually. But I think the Brunson and Quickly combo is really kind of lightning in a bottle right now. 
I think it could even be worth entertaining starting them together at this point. You know, if you want to mix things up a little bit. Now, granted, maybe that kills Emmanuel Quickly's case for sixth man of the year if he ends up starting too many games, but I don't think that should be a concern. Just winning basketball games should be the concern. I think Emmanuel Quickly would even tell you that. And that would give Grimes the opportunity to kind of initiate a little more off the bench and kind of find himself again. I think he's sort of fading into the background a bit this season so far. He's kind of becoming a little more one-dimensional than I thought he was going to be, where he's basically just a catch-and-shoot threat, and that's pretty much it. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily because that's a, a good role that can make him a lot of money. But I think that we all sort of expected him to do a little more than just be a spot-up guy who plays defense. And thus far this season, that's that's pretty much been his role. So I, I hope that maybe uh, he can find some time with the bench unit and, you know, initiate a little more, uh, be given the opportunity to attack off the dribble a little more, maybe find himself again in that way. Because I think that was something that we were all hoping to see a little more of uh, this year. But I don't know. I, it feels like I'm being a little too negative. So I kind of I kind of want to get into the positive, which obviously is that huge heat comeback that the Knicks had on Friday. And so I will get into that in more detail in just a second, including Emmanuel Quickly's uh, amazing, you know, lightning in a bottle performance, Jalen Brunson with some big time clutch stuff. Uh, Julius Randle taking what the defense was giving him and playing really well, really just a great, other than the third quarter, which is terrible, a great team effort all around to pull that one out and make that win happen. But first I have to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by prize picks and you guys if you haven't heard of prize picks yet i don't don't know if you haven't been listening to me but it is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america and the easiest and most exciting way to play dfs is just you against the numbers so instead of battling thousands of other players including pros and sharks and whales and all kinds of other marine mammals and marine creatures You pick more or less than the two to six player stat projections and watch winnings roll in. Prize picks is the most fun I've had playing, winning up to 25 times my money this basketball season. You just like two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. And with the basketball season here, along with football, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions, which would have gone over well for you if you had Travis Kelsey today. I have him on one of my fantasy teams, so definitely (laughs) check that out. But they also offer quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types. And it's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, it's daily fantasy made easy. All right, and I'm back in to continue talking about the Knicks big-ish weekend. One big part of the weekend, one smaller part of the weekend that we would hopefully want to forget but also i gotta tell you guys locked on has launched the first ever national 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league so go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel it's like it's like those old cable networks but cooler because it's locked on 
All right, let's talk about the Knicks beating the Heat 100 to 98 in the in-season tournament on Friday. It was a pretty big deal. Uh, I think the the first half was pretty standard fare. I think it can kind of be glossed over a bit. You know, the Knicks led by one at the half. I thought both teams were playing each other really hard, like they tend to. Uh, you know, the the defense was ratcheted up. It was a playoff atmosphere. In many ways, I think that's just how these teams are going to play this whole season, particularly after how things went last year. But maybe it helped that it was an in-season tournament game. I don't know. They they seemed motivated. Everybody seemed on board. I think it was probably more motivated towards the the uh, past you know meetings of this team of these two teams, particularly in the playoffs last year. But the second half for the Knicks was a total totally different story. It was just a total disaster to start. Uh, the Knicks were lazy moving the ball. The Heat were just blitzing them in transition, like I mentioned in the first segment. But the Heat just kind of had them figured out. They were like, "We're going to play the passing lanes tight. We're going to, you know, intercept these passes, and make them uncomfortable, throw doubles at these guys, you know, and, and kind of play the way the Knicks play when they're playing at their best." Which the Knicks kind of bit the Heat right back with that style of play in the fourth quarter. But uh, yeah, they just kind of were getting out there, and there are stretches where the Knicks just seem to not play transition defense at all, and you know, there are certain there was certain people that were bigger culprits than others in this one. You know, I noticed I don't like to harp on him too much if he's overall not playing too bad. But like Julius was not getting back. Uh, and there was a couple of, you know, opportunities where he could have maybe put up more of a fight and transition and just didn't uh, for one reason or another. But the, it wasn't just him. Uh, you know, those are just the ones that stood out the most to me. Uh, but the, the Knicks as a whole just were not doing great getting back in transition and the heat were just absolutely torching them going back that way. And, you know, they were either not playing good enough defense or getting there too late and then fouling. And it was just a total disaster area. So they end up going down 21 towards the end of the quarter and things really looked like it was going to be done. And then things just completely flip around. Uh, Manuel quickly starts the run. He hits a couple triples, like shout out to him. I just feel like every team needs a guy like Manuel quickly that, you can count on to just take that tough shot when everything seems to be going wrong and know that he thinks at least that it's going in uh, no matter what, because sometimes, you know, guys will be like, I don't know if this is going in, you know, you can kind of tell by their body language and how they shoot it, that they, they don't have the confidence in it. Manual quickly, even, you know, to his credit and sometimes to his detriment, he could be, you know, two of five, one of 10, you know, whatever, and still be firing away and, and thinking it's going to go in every time uh, because he's just that type of dude that, you know, knows he has a green light and is is willing to use it. In this case, it worked out really well because he got the Knicks kind of going. He hit a couple threes to get the run going. And then he was also just zipping around on D. He was always finding a heat player that wasn't covered at any given time. There were so many times where, you know, the Knicks would get back uh, in transition and get set up on defense and, seemed like everybody kind of found their man and then there would be someone out in space for the heat and quickly suddenly would just be there. Uh, he was just a total ball of fire, total ball of energy and really did a good job to kind of set the defensive tone as well as the offensive tone during the run. Uh, and he ends the game with 20 points, eight to 17 shooting four of eight from three on just 26 minutes, which I think is maybe the most Im impressive part. You know, this guy on a per minute basis continues to be, one of the most impressive players, not just on the Knicks, but like in the entire NBA, I think right now with as far as what he's doing with his minutes and how many points he's putting in, how many free throws he's drawing, 
everything else. He he had a fantastic game in that regard. Jalen Brunson also had a pretty fantastic game, 24 points, 10 of 16 shooting in this one, and came up big in the clutch with some buckets and free throws to put the Knicks in position for a win. Uh, you know, I like to see him playing in that way and, and you know, having the – I think he always has the confidence to end games that way, but seeing some shots go in and, you know, getting the win, I feel like it's, it's you know, not always uh, that way, and, and you want to kind of establish uh, – establish some winning ways and and see the ball go in the hoop in those situations because that'll help him out later in the season as far as confidence goes and stuff like that so uh we saw more of it in the sun's game i mean he just he just took over was super clutch uh, i was a very very good weekend if you have stock in jalen brunson uh because he seems to be really be finding himself from a scoring perspective and i'll talk about it in the sun's game but i think that he even started translating that to just being a total all-around threat in that game as far as the passing as well. Um, but speaking of passing in this game, like Julius Randle, I think did a really good job passing. He had 13 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. I thought he did a good job leveraging what the defense was giving him uh, into assists, particularly in the second half. You could you could actually hear on the broadcast at times, Miami calling double, double, double on him to you know get people over to double Randle in the post because they thought they were going to force turnovers and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, they got some turnovers, but I think that Randall all in all did a really good job of taking advantage of what the D was giving him on offense and, you know, getting the ball out to shooters on the perimeter, uh, getting things rolling, you know, on any given possession. So that, that was a good thing to see. He also had a really nice two man sequence with Brunson late in the game for one of the decisive buckets. And this was, you know, as much a credit to Brunson as to Randall for setting this up, but they kind of just Brunson was coming from, like the left side of the court, uh, you know, coming over at around the free throw line or maybe slightly higher. And Randall just came crossing with him. They did a quick little handoff and then Randall just took it right into Jaime, ha Jaime Hasquez's uh, chest and just like took it right at him, went up, got the layup. And it, it was a, a decisive bucket for the Knicks. I think I want to say that was the one that gave them 98 points, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I, I forget exactly what which bucket that was but it was it was a big one down the stretch um and speaking of big buckets down the stretch rj barrett had a big one as well he ends with 18 points 7 of 14 shooting three of three free throws including a huge one he got an and one late in the game that the one the free throw actually was the point that put the knicks in the lead that they would not end up relinquishing uh so that was great for him i mean what a change for rj barrett uh, at the free throw line this year, he's shooting 83.7% for the year now, and that includes the Suns game as well. I think after this uh, this Miami game, he was shooting like 84% or 84.1 or something like that. Uh, so it went slightly down in the Suns game, but still, I mean, you'll take 84% from RJ any day of the week. That's like 10 points higher than his previous career high, which is insane. So clearly this guy put a ton of work in. At the free throw line, unless he's about to go on a huge free throw slump, and I just jinxed it, but I guess we'll see. I, I hope that's not the case. Uh, but just a couple last things from this game before we get into the Suns game in the next segment. Shout out to Larry Wu uh, from Twitter, who I saw on pop up on Twitter. Uh, Jalen Brunson after the game said uh, he was asked like, "Oh, so like what spurred this comeback?" And he was like, "A guy on the." Uh, like at the sidelines, looked me right in the eye and told me this is embarrassing. And that let's just leave it at that. That kind of did it. 
And uh, so that was kind of a hilarious story. And then this guy, Larry Wu on Twitter had the receipts had, uh, you know, showed a text message thread with some of his friends uh, and also pictures of just how close he was to Jalen Brunson uh, in like the second row seats uh, right next to the scores table. And uh, so that guy, uh, you know, won the game for the Knicks in many ways. He was, he was kind of the MVP for this one. So shouts to Larry Wu. Uh, also for those that care, the Knicks also stay alive in the in-season tournament, and they seem pretty well positioned to maybe make the wild card at this point. They're two and one, I think, because of the head-to-head win. They have the tiebreaker over the Heat now, uh, and then point differential-wise, I think they're doing okay as well. Uh, they could potentially increase that case a lot when they face the Hornets in the final game uh, of their in-season tournament bid. And so then, if they if they get a large margin of victory there then i think that'll that'll position them pretty well to potentially make the wild card uh or if milwaukee loses to i think it's washington then the knicks might still have a chance to take the division as well or take the group or whatever and go in as one of the top seeds rather than the wild card so i don't know how exactly that's all gonna go i guess we'll see uh keep needing explanations on broadcasts and stuff to completely wrap my brain around the in-season tournament because I certainly don't feel like going through that list of like 800 tiebreakers and figuring out how to tiebreak a four-game set, which is just still so stupid to me. I still am not a huge fan of the in-season tournament. It also had the most absolutely hideous court in the history of the New York Knicks franchise. Just an absolute eyesore to watch on TV and looked totally amateurish, that orange court. I did not love it. So let's talk about a game where the Knicks lost but played on a better looking court in just a second against the phoenix suns but first i do have to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook and fanduel sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of locked on and of the nfl and as the weather gets colder the nfl offers are staying hot on fanduel because right now new customers can get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins and if you've been thinking about joining fanduel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over-unders and more and by and more i mean same game parlays check them out for the nba it makes the game so much more interesting. You can set up a multi-leg bet within a single game. So let's say you want to, you know, spice the Knicks game up a little bit. You can be like, okay, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson over 24 and a half points and Emmanuel quickly over two and a half made threes and RJ Barrett over three and a half assists and Julius Randle over 10 and a half rebounds. And then all of a sudden, instead of those being relatively uh, low stakes, single bets by themselves, you make a giant better bet which could pay you out a ton more money, which is pretty sweet. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can kick off the middle part of the NFL season and the playoff run and also keep the NBA action going and maybe put together some cool uh, some cool bets because uh, it's, it's always fun when there's multiple sports going on. FanDuel, it's the official partner of the NFL. All right, and I'm back in to continue talking about this weekend for the Knicks. And let's talk about today's game, uh, Sunday's game, I should say, the Suns game. And I think the Knicks, uh, like I said early on in this show, that they came out really flat in this game. You know, they, like 
even just right away, they go down 7 nothing. Grimes mishandles a rebound, doesn't get two hands on it, sturdy, and gets it poked right out of his hands. That ends up in a Booker make. And then Julius Randle doesn't really defend uh, Keita Bates-Diop in, in transition. That ends in another bucket because he just kind of stood there and watched as, as KBD went up for it. And then a premature double on Devin Booker leads to an open Eric Gordon three. Now, granted, he was like two, three feet behind the three-point line, but Eric Gordon has range, and like you need to respect him from wherever he's at. And you certainly don't need to, like, I mean, Booker, I think with RJ on him or Grimes on him, you can pretty safely say, like, yeah, you can you can leave them one-on-one -on -one until it reaches such a point where, you know, he gets inside or something and then maybe help with, like, Mitchell Robinson. But I didn't totally get going for the double there. Anyway, Gordon makes a three, boom, Knicks down 7-0. Uh, the lead would get up to as high as 15, and the Knicks were down 34-22 to after the first quarter. It was just not a super pretty start to the game, especially considering Kevin Durant was out, Grayson Allen was out, Bradley Bielsel hasn't suited up for them yet. It's it's tough you know, to go out there against a team that you should probably beat, even though they have Devin Booker and even though they have Yusuf Nurkic. So, I mean, it's still two good players, but, you know, they're, they're really down to like the, the dregs of their subs at this point. And it makes you wonder why they, you know, why they were able to get out to as much of a lead as they were against the Knicks early on, other than just, it seemed like maybe the Knicks were just underestimating them, which you can't do in any game in the NBA, especially coming off a big win. You know, you should be looking to capitalize on that and just take care of business against a team that, is not as good uh, without their top guys, but you know, it is what it is. It, it was winnable and they didn't win it, which is unfortunate, but Jalen Brunson did his best. I mean, he had 12 points, three assists, six of eight shooting just in the first quarter alone ends with 35 points, six rebounds, eight assists on 15 to 25 shooting. He shot five of 10 from three. Uh, he had three steals and a block. So just a crazy performance overall. Um, the steals, I thought he was playing the passing lanes really, really well, but and, you know, obviously the scoring was awesome as well. When you shoot 5 of 10 from 3 and 15 and 25 overall, there's not much to complain about there. But I think I was maybe most impressed with the dishing. I thought he was really making an effort to take advantage of the extra attention the D was giving him, which they did, especially after that first quarter. They started kind of paying more attention, you know, getting over on him, calling for doubles quicker. And I think he did a really good job of, you know, identifying that and making passes out of the key to, you know, hit the outside or just to find someone who had a mismatch on the outside to let them cook and take a few dribbles. And, you know, so a few of his assists look like where you're like, eh, this is probably about one or two dribbles away from not being an assist, uh, given the amount of time that elapsed. But he was setting guys up, you know, he's finding guys that had a tilted defense in front of them and then letting them cook. And, you know, that resulted in quite a bit of baskets. So I think that was really good for him. Uh, Manuel quickly as well, a common theme here, had a really good performance, uh, 18 points, four of 10 field goals. He was three of five from three, had seven of eight free throws in just 28 minutes. So again, on a per minute basis, this guy is still just crushing right now. Uh, and he was the straw that stirred the drink. And once again, probably didn't get enough playing time, even though he had 28 minutes. I, I really think finding him over 30 in this game maybe could have made a difference uh, because he was he was pure electricity every second that he was out there. I, I already floated this, but I'm going to get into it again because I have a couple numbers to kind of back this up a little bit. But it might be worth starting to think about making the first sub for Grimes for Emmanuel quickly instead of RJ for Hart. Uh, I think it was my buddy Jeff Rasmussen on uh, the Strickland account today. 
that made this observation during the game. And I was like, no, that's a good point because you do rob Emmanuel quickly of a few minutes by making him not the first sub. Uh, And instead you're kind of just like setting up Josh Hart for getting more minutes uh, just sort of by default in that case. But also like the Brunson, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett lineup has only played 26 possessions so far this year, but they're staggering plus 61 and a half points better per 100 possessions in those minutes per clean the glass, which is crazy. That's a crazy, crazy number. They're like 100th percentile. You know, you're not going to find too many lineups that are better than 61 points better per 100 possessions. Uh, But I think that just, that would allow IQ to play more time uh, because honestly, like he's doing more for winning, I think right now than either Grimes or Hart, which isn't really a knock on Grimes or a knock on Hart, but just sort of, a, a testament to just how good Emmanuel quickly's been. So I, I don't know. I think it's maybe worth looking into whatever you can do to get him on the floor a little faster. And if that means subbing out Grimes first and keeping RJ out there as the three and, and Brunson out there as the one and then slotting quickly in at the two, I, I think that would be worth experimenting with and, and having that lineup getting quicker, maybe sub Grimes out with like, I don't know, after the first like four minutes or something like that, have him be the first sub out. And then you can have him be the first guy come back in like right at the beginning of the second quarter or something. Uh, have him come back in, play like five, six minutes with the, you know, with the bench unit for a little bit and have a little more time to kind of cook and, you know, work on f- finding his own shot and, you know, finding shots for others, kind of running point a little more with DiVincenzo and kind of have those two out there as like a, and Josh Hart, you know, just have them as like a democratic, like by committee sort of deal, um, along with whoever else you keep out there to play with those guys. Maybe it is quickly for a little bit, something like that. And, you know, have RJ uh, come back in for Grimes then when you want to start transitioning towards the, uh, you know, the the starting lineup or the starting lineup plus quickly again to close the half. But I think that could be worth looking into. Uh, and like even in this game, quickly managed to tie for a team high plus five with Brunson, but had 10 less minutes under his belt. So like clearly there's something there. Uh, and I just think the Knicks should, should try to, you know, capture that uh, because they, you know, it's a, uh, I, I, I think quickly just needs to be on the floor as much as possible right now. You know, I think there's something to be said for trying to keep what he has contained to where he's comfortable, uh, like coming off the bench, but We've seen this guy can start and often does better starting. And what he does on a permanent basis in like 20 to 25 to 28 minutes off the bench scales to starters minutes. So I don't really see why you would want to keep him away from potentially playing 30 plus uh, when he has proven that no matter how much time you play him, he can be he could be a positive for every single minute that he's out there. Uh, But I also got a shout out. We're shouting out uh, uh, one last guy here. Julius Randle had a 17-point third quarter in this game on 6-9 and nine shooting. That was much needed. His first half wasn't fantastic, um, but he ended with 28 points overall. And I thought that was really, really needed on a night when RJ didn't have it going. He also just was not getting any respect at all times uh, from especially like uh, Nurkic. I, I think it was uh, – I'm going to see if I can find who it was here. Uh, Dean Scorpion on Twitter, Dean Scorpion underscore had this hilarious clip of Julius like posted up on the, on the baseline and Nurkic just like, didn't even defend him. He's like walked away from him and Julius took a shot. I don't think he actually made that one, but Julius did start to cook then. And I, 
I mean, if he's going to get disrespected like that, I hope he takes advantage of it. But that sort of unlocked him too. I don't know if he realized that he was getting disrespected on defense and that kind of made him more aggressive. But, you know, I, I thought that he was – he put it together in the third quarter and gave the Knicks exactly what they needed, which was a big scoring punch there uh, to try to do it. Then, of course, you know, I don't have to relive it too much. But, of course, you know, I, I think the Knicks did a good job down the stretch too. I, I thought that they just really – Came up just a smidge short in this one, you know, but that's why it's important to kind of play a complete game and not be clawing back to have to finish off a comeback is because sometimes you then run into a situation where you put in all that effort and then Devin Booker hits a really hard shot. Uh, they probably had no business hitting, even though you played pretty solid defense for, I think the Knicks played good defense for about the last three or four possessions. Uh, did a good job trying to, you know, keep the Suns contained and not let anything happen there. But, you know, it, then Devin Booker was just Devin Booker and hit a really, really hard shot to win this game. And the comeback was kind of all for naught. So it is what it is. But the Knicks have more games coming up. I believe their next game is on Tuesday against the Hornets uh, in their final in-season tournament game. But I could be wrong about that. You know, let's just, let's just we'll check that to be sure. Most of you probably uh, are tuned out by this point anyway. I think I can check that. Yep. Okay. The Knicks are facing the Hornets in their final in-season tournament game. So big implications uh, to potentially push them to a wild card spot or maybe an improbable group win in their East group, whatever, group four, group three, whatever group they're in. So something to watch for on Tuesday night, but more importantly, just hopefully an easy win over a team that's not very good uh, coming up. So we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, uh, we'll have you covered for that and everything else this week. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.